All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it is good to be back with you guys. It's You know, Laura, you worked a lot during uh, my time away, yes? Yes, I did. I had one, I had the day after Christmas off on the 26th, but otherwise, yeah, I've been here on all the weekdays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it, uh, is it nice to be here with, when there aren't as many people around? I like that, but I, as a news person, it's a bummer because there's nothing happening. So slow. You still have to fill a newscast every (laughs) hour and there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. So that's hard. I feel like, and we talked about this uh, earlier today, I I feel like I maybe took two days too many off. Steve Simpson told me the same thing today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did you feel? Like, what makes you feel that way? Well, and it's because I took every Friday off in December. Yeah. It just feels like, especially like in the progress of this show, I'm still sort of new at this, right? It's Mm -hmm. been about a year and a half. That you feel like things were going pretty well, and then I interrupted the rhythm by taking all those Fridays off, and it wasn't too drastic. You're like four day weeks, kind of nice, still mm-hmm. fine. But then, like to take so much time off, yeah, just a little strange. I don't yeah. know. It just felt a little strange. I bet it did for you. I think that's your your personality too. You like to be on. You like yeah. the feedback. You like the right? showbiz. You you know you like it. Yeah, and I'll tell you, my family in Chicago was less interested in me putting on this show for them. <laughs> it was less. So I wanted to ask you about this because uh, when we visit my parents, yes, we stay in their house. Mm-hmm. And it is strange as a 48, almost 49-year-old man to be sleeping like, in my sister's childhood bedroom. Yes. It's weird. I bet it is weird. What, it, what about your childhood bedroom? That, so my parents have a three-bedroom house. When uh, I was in high school, we built a uh, <clears throat> sort of a wall in the basement, mm-hmm. subdividing that into two bedrooms. Got it. Because we had, I was one of four kids. Right. So I mostly shared a bedroom with my brother growing up, and when we moved to the basement, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I bet, yeah. I had my own room. Right? Now, my room was like enough room for a closet, a full mattress, and a desk. Yeah. And that was about it. Yeah. There was enough room for me to like barely walk in between. Mm-hmm. Like they're just, it was so tiny. But having your own space was so cool. Yes. Well, now, so when we come to the house, my brother also lives with my parents right now. So you've okay. got, there's just a lot. So I feel weird sleeping in my parents' house yeah. and also weird, like my brother lives there and it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's just strange. And you don't want to be rude and be like, oh, I, I'm going to stay in a hotel. Yeah. I just think that's such like a middle finger to my family. Yeah. You right? just got to do it. I don't know. You just got to do it. You get over the awkwardness and relax a little bit and settle in. Five days. That's a long time. 
It's it's a long time. When you're out of your own routine and out yeah. of your own bed for that long. Right. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, and I have, uh, both of our sons were there. So you got an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old. Yeah. It's just a lot. Where were they sleeping? They were on the bunk beds in my childhood bedroom. Okay. Okay. It's just a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that reminds me of just my, my whole feeling about the Christmas and New Year's holidays. I love them. I enjoy them. I enjoy the people. I love the stuff. I, I love all of it. But when it's over, I am ready for it to be over. Hmm. I am so ready. Yeah. Like our tree, I took our tree down on December 26th. You took it down already? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We have, you know, our tiny house. Yeah, yeah, and we had a tree in that tiny living room, and it just had to go. It's just too much. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I'm done now, and I'm re- I'm rejuvenated today. It's like kind of back to normal with a full newsroom and real news going on, and it's like, yes, the holidays are over. Sorry, people, but I'm done. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm, ready, I'm ready also. Like, yeah. we had a great December, lots of great times with family yeah, and friends. Yeah, same. New Year's Eve, well, over this last week, I went to a party that a friend threw uh, in between Christmas and New Year's. Mm -hmm. That was Friday night. We were having so much fun, saw so many people we knew that we hadn't seen. Yep. And looked at the watch, and it was 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. Oh, we got to get out of here. That was a late night. Then on New Year's, we were at a friend's house, and... The, even despite everyone's best efforts to have a low key, <laughs> chill evening, one friend of mine loves cooking for other people. Oh, he nice! Loves it. That's awesome. So he was going to do it, but like we, we still have one course to go after the clock struck midnight. Oh wow! So that night we got home at two, no, at three in the morning. Mm. These are party animals. Laura, I am way too old to be getting home (laughs) at 2 or 3 in the morning. Did you text your parents and tell them that you were safe and you weren't driving? Well, we had to text our kids. We're like, we're okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's very strange when you get home and you're like, oh, man, like I used to be able to bounce back from that. Oh, no way. Not anymore. No. No, I can't either. It's sort of sad. You're like, what happened? But also like, you know. Yeah. I'm not a kid anymore. You've it's had right. plenty. You've done you've done plenty. I don't know. Uh and of course, like we had a plan and all of that stuff. Yeah. You know. Good. Uh they did let Anderson Cooper <laughs> and Andy Cohen drink again. I saw their initial shot of whatever they took, tequila or something, right on the air, right when they started at eight PM. Loved it. Speaking of traditions. Yeah. Um it is, it's just, it's the top of the hour. Right, 8 o'clock, top right. of the hour. Yes, and so we've been here for seven years doing this. Right. Um, and for most of those years... Are you asking about alcohol? Well, at the top of the hour, we typically have a toast, and I feel that I'm hearing from a lot of people, and I guess I'm just wondering, does Daddy get his juice? <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I love them. Did you see the uh, video that went viral of Anderson Cooper just absolutely losing it over the funny cat, some kind of a cat situation with John Mayer? Yes. John Mayer is in a cat cafe. (laughs) Yes. And these cats, it just, it was, (laughs) it was 
ridiculous oh, and so good. I love watching Anderson. Just He just cannot control himself. It's so funny when he can't stop laughing. And his laugh is like this little high-pitched, funny <laughs> yes. little laugh. And it's just great. Loved it. John Mayer was in a cat cafe in Tokyo. Yes. Uh, why? Why? Unclear. <laughs> but it was like... Don't you love the creativity, though? Yes. Like, imagine working on that broadcast. You're like, hey, uh, like, uh, you know, it'd be good to get John Mayer. Yeah. Where's John Mayer going to be? Uh, you call up John Mayer. Hey, John's going to be in Tokyo. Let's send right. him to a cat cafe. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> Fine. Yeah. I love it. Uh, it was very funny. Yeah. I will say, being here in Minnesota, one thing that really stinks about New Year's is that we don't have a good midnight countdown. Um, maybe you could do something about that. Is this the year? That's right up your alley, Jason. Don't you think it's strange, though? Like, I remember, like, even the Dick Clark's New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. Well, that's at 11. Yeah. And so we were not watching TV at midnight Eastern time. But I seem to, it seems to me they used to delay it. So you could count down with, but but maybe they don't now that like yeah. it's uh, because you can see it on CNN or yeah. the internet or whatever. It wouldn't make sense. Right. But when we turned on the TV at like 1150, our choice was some sort of goofy Nashville scenario mm-hmm. where like they lowered a digital eighth note. Mm. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that wasn't great. And then... uh. That's about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you're looking at sad, like emptied out Times Square on ABC. Yeah. There was just nothing really great for the central time zone. Um, I think you should make this your goal to be the host of some kind of a Twin Cities New Year's Eve ball drop next year. I, I You would love that. I would love it. Yeah. I would. I used to I did seriously propose this when I was working at TV. Yes. And all of the tech, like the on-air people thought this was a really good idea as long as they didn't have to do it. And all of the tech people were like, there's no way in hell that we're going to be here at midnight. <laughs> I'm like, come yeah. on, guys. Like, what if you paid them more, you know? Right. Let's pay you more. We could, I feel like we could do that. Yes. Right? I think you need to make it happen. What if we could do it on the top of the WCCO radio building? And like drop a drop something. We could drop a, like a watermelon. Yeah, <laughs> we just could like, <laughs> just like be a good shot. Yeah, sort yep. of sad, a yeah. little sad, but like you know, or something on the Nicollet Mall. You know, it, it can be done. It can be done with proper planning and commitment by the right people. Do you make resolutions? Um, just kind of in my head. Si- Not really. Uh. 66% of millennials are over the classic resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, a new survey, 55% of Americans think it's outdated. Mm-hmm. I've noticed all of these in and out lists. They seem very popular on social media yeah. right now. Here's what's in. I kind of like that. Yeah, that's fun. List of goals. Mm-hmm. I made some goals. I made a list of goals. What are your goals? My list of goals. Uh, I got to look. I've already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> One of my goals is uh, to get stronger, stronger, yep. uh, like physical strength, not mentally. Who's stronger than me already? Just peak strength. Right. 
<laughs> so maybe it maybe it's time to join a gym. I haven't been in a uh, gym for a long time. Yeah. Relaunch my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, read more books. Mm-hmm. I would like, and I think I need to refine that goal to be like. 20 minutes a day. Right. Or even five pages. Yep. Start small. And I would like get in the habit. I used to love to read. Me too. Yep. And the stupid uh, smartphone ruined it. And Just, my, my addiction to it ruined it. I have a tip for you. Okay. First thing in the morning, right after you get up, make your coffee. You don't even look at that phone. And get yourself a book, sit in your favorite mm. chair, and read and drink your coffee for to start the 20 day. minutes. Yep. Before you do anything, before the day even All begins, right. you get that nice little time with yourself. I will try that. Good. And then a uh, drive time billboard. Oh, wouldn't that be life. nice? Yes. A billboard for the show. Mm-hmm. How about you? Any goals? My goals, I started some goals late in 2023 ah. that I've been doing very well with Perfect. that are health related. So my my goal is to just be consistent with some of the good habits I've already started. And then another goal I have is to finish a little book that I've started writing. Ah. It's nothing serious. It's a guidebook. Cool. It's, I know the title already, and I'm working on it every morning, first thing in the morning, and so far, so good. Good. All right. I love it. Good. Laura, thank you. Uh, Como Zoo is going viral on TikTok. We'll tell you why. What is driving the union of a couple Twin Cities credit unions uh, and what someone did when they stole a million bucks from their local employer? What did they spend that money on? We'll talk about it in the D-Rush Hour News headlines next. January 2nd, 2024, time for the D-Rush Hour News headlines. You can always check these on our podcast, which you can look for uh, well, I don't know. Where do you look for podcasts? We're there. Odyssey app as well. Como Zoo going viral uh, on TikTok because of Tiger Van. <laughs> so that is Ashley Verdak, who is an education specialist at the zoo. The woman saying Mercedes is a model, like a Russian TikTok channel that has very fetching Russian models showing off luxury cars. And so Como Zoo takes Ashley, who's an education specialist. She tells the Star Tribune's Richard Chin that, you know, she amped up her Minnesotan accent just a little bit. Uh, she's got a, just a bunch of goofy videos in there. Uh, they got, I don't know, more than a million views doing this. Tiger van thing. TikTok is a weird, weird place. Uh, so congrats to, I guess, to Ashley. <laughs> I don't know what, what is going viral on TikTok do for you if you're the Como Zoo? Probably nothing. But it seems well, it fun. It gets us talking about you anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Go to the zoo. Give him a couple bucks. What is driving the union of two major Twin Cities credit unions? Well, Dan Stoltz is going to have to update it. Dan Stoltz here with Blaze. Twin Cities Business Magazine writing about the Blaze merger took effect yesterday. January 1st is when Highway Credit Union merged into Spire. They renamed it Blaze because, you know, marijuana is legal now. So that's why they did it, I'm sure. Um, This new credit union will serve about a 
quarter million members. Assets of nearly $4 billion have 650 employees. They're the fourth biggest in the Twin Cities now. It is interesting. Minnesota credit unions maybe have an image of being really small. That's the advantage, right? Like you go you go to the credit union. They know you because it's the credit union for the company you work at. And, you know, there's Marge from accounting just popping in. That's sort of how it is. Well, now Minnesota credit unions, there are more than 2.1 million members. So in 2018, it was just 1.8 million, but the asset base has almost doubled from 24 billion to 40 billion. 40 billion dollars is a lot of money. In the scheme of banks, it's still nothing compared to the giant big time banks in the Twin Cities. But it's very interesting. Uh, this article talks about that. As consumers, we expect like the technology, right? You want to do the remote banking and all those other things. But you also want to have the branch office. So Spire had more branches. Highway had better technology. That's sort of how they ended up teaming up. Disturbing story in the New York Times on how child labor goes undetected by private auditors. Strong Minnesota tie in this story, which is not the kind of Minnesota tie we're proud of. Bloy Olson highlighted it in his lunch take newsletter, New York Times story that came out talking about this issue. Because the issue is that the. United States Department of Labor, it would take 100 years, according to the audit, uh, according to the article, for the Department of Labor to audit all of the factories and plants and everything in its purview. And what happens is, well, they tell this story, Walgreens used to get its uh, house brand jerky made in a Minnesota plant. So Walgreens hires a company to say like, hey, Can you go check out this plant to make sure there's no child labor, make sure there are no sexual harassment, make sure it's safe? So the auditor goes, but most auditors are only there for an eight-hour shift during the day. So the auditor goes through the day, says, looks fine, writes his report, and at night, 150 workers show up, including migrant children as young as 15, who are operating heavy machinery. It took four years. This meat snacks plant in Chandler, Minnesota, was busted by the Department of Labor this spring. But it underscores this issue. Times looked at, I don't know, 20 different firms and found all sorts of issues. Hard to know what the solution is when you have uh, people policing themselves. It's a problem. It always amazes me when somebody's able to steal a million bucks from their employer. Paul Walsh in the Strib writing about an Eden Prairie woman arrested, accused of stealing more than a million dollars. She got a heck of a new wardrobe with her money. I mean, what do you this? This wasn't gambling. Often gambling is why people steal from their employees. Under police questioning, this woman said she has a problem with overspending. And this was a way to hide it from her husband. She used a company credit card to buy sixty three thousand dollars in clothing from a place in Vegas, $7,000 at the Cosmopolitan Hotel there, $8,100 at the Westin and Edina. What the heck's going on at the Westin and Edina? It's, it's pretty nice. Pretty nice. Oof. That is the D-Rush Hour News headlines at 531. Back in a minute, a Star Tribune reporter, Maya Rao, will join us. Uh, talking about a really interesting story about refugees, how many refugees came to Minnesota over the last year. Facts versus the hysteria. Maya will break it down for us in a minute.
All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. There is little question that in this country right now, we have a major crisis on the border. People coming into the United States, no excellent plan, no real plan uh, as to how to deal with the humanitarian crisis, how to deal with uh, migrants, how to deal with immigration in general. There is one area, though, where things do move in a relatively orderly manner. And that uh, has been Minnesota and refugees. Refugees coming to Minnesota has been a very low number. Last year, a higher number. And it makes you wonder, like, are, can we handle it? Is this good? Is this uh Challenging for Minnesota organizations. Maya Rao is with the Star Tribune. We've talked to her before. She covers immigration issues and race for the Star Tribune and had an really a fascinating story about people resettling in Minnesota and the trend and the way things have changed. And Maya joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Hey, Maya. Hi, thanks for having me. You found that in 2023, in the fiscal year, we had how many refugees uh, here in Minnesota? We had about 1,500. And that, that compares to 258 in 2021. So that's a pretty massive change. What, what happened? Yeah, a lot of it just has to do with changes in the administration. Um, you know, back under the Obama administration, he uh, had the, there's usually an annual cap that the president sets of the number of refugees that the nation will take in. So he would set it um, in the 70,000s, 80,000s. And so in Minnesota, we were getting a few thousand refugees each year. And then President Trump came in and, you know, the numbers, the caps that he set every year was the lowest in history, in the history of the program. And so that's why we got really low numbers during Trump. And then the pandemic hit. And so even though Biden raised the refugee cap back up again, even higher than Obama's, it took some time to kind of build the capacity up again. So we're, we're sort of inching toward where we were under Obama, but it's still quite a striking change because for so many years under Trump and, and going into the first couple of years of the Biden administration, it, the numbers were fairly low. I, I sometimes wonder if... People know the difference between a refugee coming to our country and our state versus someone who is undocumented and coming here in an in an illegal way. It's a very different. uh, uh, The result, perhaps, is the same. I don't know. Could you characterize the difference for me? Yeah, there's a really drastic difference. And um, a lot of people will use the term refugee, understandably, in a more generic term, you just think of anybody escaping persecution coming here. But there's really an official definition with the government and an official pathway. So the uh, government 
will screen people and they've, they've, they've gone through so many checks and interviews and screenings for years waiting in a refugee camp to be processed and they come here legally. Um, but, you know, we've had so many people who have been coming over the border. They're claiming asylum. Um, so that, that's a huge number that's come to Minnesota and elsewhere, too. And then we've got still other people coming, like from fleeing the war in Ukraine or Afghanistan. They've come through an even different pathway called humanitarian parole. So they might seem to fit in this general term of refugee to the average person, but each one has a different kind of official pathway and different kinds of um, opportunities available to them. Maya Rao is a reporter with the Star Tribune. She's written a story on the number of refugees resettling in Minnesota on the rise. And you say it's it's likely going to go even higher in the 2024 fiscal year. Uh, is that because, I mean, the, the Biden cap uh, still didn't see, you know, full number of uh, uh, refugees take advantage of it in 2023. Do we, do we just, do the experts expect to get closer uh, to that, to that cap? Yeah, the Biden administration has really pushed for, for that cap to be met in the coming years. So people are getting ready. I mean, the refugee resettlement agencies that have been really decimated under the Trump years, I mean, they've built back up, you know, people, people have been hiring. So yeah, we are expecting in, in Minnesota, the number I've heard is about 2,400. And um, so, so, yeah, that is expected to grow. But the interesting thing will be what happens when the presidential election takes place, whether it's mm-hmm. Biden or Trump. Um, right. You know, that could be a very drastic difference. Do, and, uh, do the agencies, the social service agencies in Minnesota say, you know, can they handle it? It's obviously that, you know, 2,400 refugees compared to to, you know, 258 or, you know, 300 or something is quite a change. Yeah, I mean, they've handled these types of numbers before under Ah. Obama. Um, So it seems that they probably can handle it now. I think it is challenging, though, when you you change administrations and things go drastically in one direction or another. Uh, That's when things get sort of chaotic, when people's staffing and resources isn't in line with the number of refugees that are actually expected. Do we know where Minnesota uh, refugees are are largely coming from? Yeah, a lot of them are coming from the Congo. Um, they're coming from their Korean refugees from Myanmar who have been living in uh, Thai refugee camps for many years. Um, they're they're coming from Ethiopia, and then Somalia is another big one. Like, we already have so many Somali people already here, long established. But um, in recent years, the actual number of new arrivals have kind of slowed down a lot, uh, but that's been picking back up again. So we have uh, about uh, over 400 Somali refugees coming in the past year. Maya Rao is with us from the Star Tribune. Immigration is her beat. You obviously also are watching some of the, uh, you know, the national debate about immigration, the crisis at the border. even though these paths are very separate and often the people are separate, right? Where you have people maybe fleeing from Mexico or South America who wouldn't, wouldn't meet a legal definition of a refugee. The, the practical reality of, of new residents and people who don't have jobs, you know, and are coming to our community, the practical respect uh, effect of this can be the same. What, what are, you know, 
I guess, do you worry or do you monitor for whether the political considerations over the real crisis at the border that's going on, how that ends up affecting what life might be like for refugees as they try to figure out how to start a life here? I mean, because the well, the refugees who come here under the official program, they will come here. You know, they'll they'll, they'll really have a lot more rights and benefits than somebody just coming over the border. Because mm. um, the, the refugees, they'll have that authorization to work. They'll be eligible for government benefits. I mean, the people who come over the border, um, they have to wait a certain amount of time to apply for work permits. So a lot of them, they're in very challenging positions where. They're fighting for jobs that, you know, where they're working under the table, may not be getting paid everything that they're supposed to get paid. So life is a lot more challenging for that group that is coming over the border. They don't really have the same level of um, authorizations that would allow them to really build a life and see a future. Whereas, like, the official refugees, they know, okay, I have a path to citizenship, so they can really set in roots and build something here. Who is who is largely helping the refugees kind of once they, you know, logistically, how does it work? Like when a refugee arrives in in the Twin Cities, wh- where do they go or how does how does it work? So we have a handful of refugee resettlement agencies that get matched with uh, the incoming refugees and help them for the first couple months here, um, you know, pro- providing that transitional period um, of resources, benefits, and things like that. Um, and then, you know, they, a lot of refugee resettlement agencies still have continuing programs teaching English or job training and things like that. And then people, uh, part of there's usually a number of people that are able to help from their own communities, too. Many, many, refu- many refugees are, the, the reason they end up here is because they have family or a relative or something like that, right? Right. Right. So that makes it easier, um, especially with the, with the large Somali numbers. I mean, in that case, a lot of it was family reunification. Got it. Well, it's very interesting. And, and certainly if we see 2,400 or so, um, it'll be it'll uh, be noteworthy and interesting to see kind of how that goes as uh, as we as we approach the election, as you said, for sure. Myra, really good story. Appreciate you spending some time with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your time. 546. We'll take a break. Uh, When we come back, there is a new California law that stops police officers from asking a question that I bet, I bet you've been asked. We'll talk about it next on CCO. Dan, do we need to update the bumper music? I was thinking about this this weekend. I See, you know. This is what I'm thinking about. You're off on oh vacation. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't thinking about that like, at all. I can assure you. Music. Are we, we... So here's the thing. Mm. You shouldn't ask me that question because I'm horrifically know, you, biased. Yeah. Because if we do have to update the bumper music, that's more work that's for fair. me. That's fair. Yeah. Right? So I don't really want to do more work than I'm already doing. That's fair. You know, That's fair. Too bad. I'm doing like, plenty. We're going to update. Well, that's just it. You put together the list. Yeah. I'll put them into the system. I don't want to have to come up with I was list. listening to like an 80s and a 90s playlist, okay. like on my drives to and from Chicago. Sure. It was like, ah. Oh. Be honest, you were just listening to replays of the show. <laughs> You're listening to yourself. <laughs> just be honest. Go ahead. Come on. You know, I just really like to study. <laughs> have you ever been pulled over by a police officer? Oh, sure. You have? Oh, yeah. 
And I was asked this very question. I've been pulled over enough. (laughs) Enough. Less than some. You more recently than me, in fact. Correct. With full confidence. Whenever you're pulled over, you're almost always asked this question, which is incredibly annoying because as someone who has done something wrong, probably, you don't know how to answer it. Right. Do you know why I pulled you over? And the fact that you don't know how to answer it is precisely why they ask you that question. Correct. Because what are you going to volunteer? Right. Maybe you'll confess to the crime. Maybe you'll confess to another crime that you didn't even know. Yeah, I don't know. Is it the expired tabs or is it the open bottle in the front seat? (laughs) Which one was it that caused you to pull me over? In California, which often uh, California is sort of a, a laboratory for state laws that end up here or in other states. Officers now immediately have to tell the driver the reason for the stop. The legislation in California was approved to try to fight the idea of a pretextual stop. Right. So we've seen lots of things that are trying to cut down on something that the data is very clear, whether officers are intentionally doing this or whether it's some sort of unconscious uh, bias. Unconscious bias. As a percentage of the population, minorities are pulled over more than white people. And so you say, well, why is that? And is there a way we can make this more fair and equitable while still keeping everybody safe? I think sometimes the pendulum has swung too far where we stop pulling people over for speeding. And then you see what our roadways are like now. So we, we learn, we correct. I do think. This is a garbage question. They, you have an officer who has pulled you over. They initiated the stop. They should show you their cards. The idea that I'm supposed to say something other than no, I don't know. That's all. That's what else can you say? What I do. Uh, Which even that can be like sort of. Well, now you're being combative or you're being sarcastic or whatever. And now you've changed the whole dynamic. And now this interaction is more tense or ready to explode or just say it. And that's what the law requires now in California. I think it's good. Again, it does make the job of being a. A, a cop a little, little harder, not much. I, I don't know. You that, just yeah. lose some of the info that you could get. When you're doing the fishing expedition. Yeah. But. Oh, well. If you stop someone for speeding, then they, you have to say it. If you stop someone for a broken taillight, well, you have to say that too. Mm -hmm. And if the real reason you were stopping them is because of something dumber, uh, now you got to say it. It just makes it different. Hopefully it works in California. I think it's a good idea. I wouldn't mind uh, this becoming policy for a department. I don't know that everything always has to be a law. I think this could be a good policy. I think on the surface it sounds good just in in passing. I'm not – you know, I'd want to see some of the data from California. That's right. Let's see what happens. What's the practical effect? One texter always replies with, because you smelled the donuts? Is that why you pulled me over? I probably isn't. I mean, it's funny. (laughs) Probably not the best response. (laughs) 
Uh, you know, choose your own adventure there. You just have to be ready to face the consequences. It was fun being back. Henry is here. He is next on CCO. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.